What's up everyone, welcome to the New Evangelicals podcast. If you couldn't tell by the accent, the voice and how uncomfortable I felt as a non-American saying what's up, then you can hear that Tim is not the host of this conversation today. My name is William, I am the host of the Space Between podcast. And Tim has invited me on to interview a very particular guest today who is very interesting. He is a drummer, a follower of Jesus, and recently became a bit of an Instagram influencer with the fact that he can now swipe up in his stories. If you haven't guessed, it is actually going to be Tim that we are interviewing today. We're going to talk about his experience of serving in the church, why he feels passionate about serving in the church, why he feels that he can't attend a church without serving, and also some of his recent experiences that have occurred surrounding his capacity serving in the church that he's been attending for the past six years. Now, as I state in this episode, this topic involves talking about things and events that involve other people that Tim is in relationship with. So we want to be sensitive to that and recognize from the start that we are wanting to be respectful, honoring, and that there's not any offense, but there is real hurt that exists. So let's get into the conversation and hear what Tim has to say. Okay, so Tim, uh, let's start off with talking a little bit about your experience of serving in the church and belonging in the church, even in the tension of deconstruction. So I would love to start by having you tell us about your experience of serving prior to this year. So anything before 2021, what's your experience of serving in the church been? Well, are you asking about the church I was currently a part of or, or my church career, like big picture? Church career, big picture. Let's go right back to the start. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, growing up in church my whole life, I've always, even when I was a kid, I, you know, well, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but I was even as like a 12 year old, an usher in my, in my fundamentalist Baptist church, I had yeah. to wear the suit and tie, give the bulletins out. I was one of the four ushers. Mm. Um, so I've had a pretty early career start <laughs> of volunteering in church. And then my first like real serving capacity was when I was 11 and they, they, they needed a drummer because they were just introing worship, this radical worship music into church for the first time. And they thought that having an 11-year-old on the drums is pretty tame. So I've ever since I was 11, honestly, have been serving in church capacity in some way, shape, or form nonstop. Um, I mean, VBS coordinator, youth group guy, small group leader, mission trip coordinator, drummer, um, worship team, you know, volunteer leader, um, you name it. At some point, short of paid staff position uh, and short of lead pastor, uh, I've probably have done it in the church at some point. Cleaning toilets, check, you know, camping trips, check. Um, Chaperone, check, you know, like I question though is kids ministry. Have you done kids ministry? Not much, but I have done See, enough. That's the thing. Like, cause I have done like serving same as you in almost every area, but never kids ministry. Cause I just can't handle it. <laughs> There's a reason why I've done it like twice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, God bless you. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that's kind of been my career, you know, so to speak is, um, my, my whole, 
time as a adolescent into my 30s has been involved. Mm-hmm. Even I've helped plant churches. I've, I've been a part of executive leadership teams to plant churches. Um, yeah. I've been part of, again, small group leader. And these are all not even just like leaders, but like but like people who are making decisions for small groups. So I've been mm-hmm. in, in every layer possible. I probably have some experience. That's cool. And what about in the church that you have been a part of for the past few years? What has that experience been like? Why has it been important to you to serve in, in that community? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of, and I, I don't want to be too long-winded, but there's so much, you know, one thing that's tough is there's so many, story is so layered and so nuanced that to communicate to someone just requires like, you know, time. But yeah. the, the church I, I was most recently a part of, I actually, the way I even met them, like the main people that I ended up doing the most amount of ministry with was even kind of like a weird God thing. And I don't use that term super lightly. Um, I know it's kind of thrown around in our, in our circle sometimes, but Mm. essentially the worship pastor called the wrong person for a, a barbecue and that person was a friend of mine. They had, they had the same name and they ended up scheduling like a young adults barbecue at my friend's house instead of the other person's house. And I was invited because I knew my friend. I didn't know the, the worship pastor yet. Yeah. And so when I went there is when I met him and the two other like worship coordinators, uh, their names are Kristen Rose. And um, that was how I met them. And we kind of hit it off from there. And mm. then they told me, hey, um, we're a part, we, we started this thing at this church called Resonate, which is like a multi-church worship night. You should really come out. We hear you're a good drummer. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've heard about this before. Let me come out. And um, I came out to it. And I was like, wow, I love this idea of trying to get multiple churches together to worship. This is like six mm-hmm. years ago. And from that point, I'm like, guys, I'm with Resonate, I'm in. Like, I'm, I want to help. How can I get involved? And that eventually led me to going to that church that hosted Resonate, where they were yeah. also the worship leaders at. So there's like a duality here. There's this Resonate ministry that this church sponsors, but it's not owned by that church. But there's yep. also the worship ministry of this church. And the four of us, the worship pastor and Kristen Rose, we overlap into both of those. So that's what got resonate, got me involved. And then Mm -hmm. from there, I was like, Hey, I want to help build this team. I want to help build the church up. And that's how we got involved. We also heard some of the preaching from the pastor, the senior pastor. We really liked him a lot. And so we said, you know what? My wife and I at the time were like, you know, I think we're going to plant here, which for me was new because for the last, like prior to this, for the past, like four or five years, I was just really church hopping, helping out churches on drums. I wasn't really part of like a institutional church. I was part of a community called 11th hour. That's a whole different, we could be there for hours. That was the most influential time of my life, but I already had community. So I didn't see it as needed to be part of the institutional church. So for me to say I'm done church hopping and helping out other churches that I knew and to plant for me was a big deal, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get married to a church, so to speak, you know, I'm going to stop shopping around. And so that was the beginning of of that time. And in the past six Mm -hmm. years with them, have been the four of us getting really close, spending a lot of time in, in both in ministry and outside of ministry together. And then of course, you know, me helping to be part of like, um, even more like, like technical stuff, like improving our mm-hmm. live stream, um, making the team sound better. I have a friend of mine who was the chief sound engineer for CBS studios. I got him involved in this church. He really helped us out with sound, helped us redo all that. So his connection was attached to me as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was kind of one of the people who kind of came in to, to help. I, it wasn't all me by no, by no you know means, but I kind of helped breathe some fresh life into mm-hmm. this, like this situation. So that's where I was the past six years. Of course, you meet, you know, you meet, you meet people Throughout uh, that time, you and we had a very healthy thing going. You know, like um, 
it was a very healthy environment for, for what it was. You know, obviously, yeah. I know both of us are critical of the American evangelical church and, and what it exports, but I always, especially on my account, always said, like, I'm really grateful for my church because they do a lot of things really well that I know a lot of people haven't had the privilege of experiencing, whether yeah. it's not burning out as a volunteer, whether it's they actually encourage masks and mandate masks and they, for the pandemic, and you know, everyone cleans behind them, behind them after a service ends, and they mm. adhere to restrictions. So it was a, for what it was, again, there was still, of course, there's still wrestling. There's still tension. Um, always that that's part of how I'm wired anyway. Um, I really loved that time because it was healthy. It was, it was good. Yeah. Well, I can't say that you're not committed any, <laughs> anyway to, to serving <laughs> from that resume of uh, service in the church. So throughout all of that, do you want to explain a little bit about why you felt that you wanted to serve, that you felt like you had something to give, that you wanted to give into the church? Yeah, sure. Well, obviously, the, one of the foundational, man, it's weird talking about yourself in a positive light. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like how do you tell people like, well, I think I'm really good at doing this without sounding like a real douchey douche. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'll put it this way. I'm going to, I'm going to repeat what close friends have told me about me. All right. So I don't always see it this way, but I'm going to roll with it for sake of this conversation. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Go for um, it. So obviously, you know, there's the drumming aspect, you know, of being like a, a pretty accomplished drummer not only in worship, but outside of worship, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into my craft. You know, I've gotten to a certain level, um, and I do it, I do it well, you know, like what I do, I do well. Um, I, I can be on that level of like some of the bigger bands that we see like that, that's not a problem for me. So there's obviously that side where I was able to come and be a solid musician on their team. Um, if you're a musician out there and listening, you know, it's the idea. We all know that the drummer is kind of that, that conductor. And if you have a drummer who's kind of sloppy, who can't stay on that click, who can't, who can't drive that pocket, who can't be dynamic, especially in worship music, it's really mm-hmm. going to fall flat. And I was able to do all those things really well, you know, coming in with dynamics and I'm, I'm on my instrument. I'm very confident. So you can tell when a drummer's confident or not. So that was helpful to have someone like myself coming on and just saying, Hey, here's where we're going. We're driving, we're moving. I'm leading this thing, even though I'm not really a worship leader, I'm leading the band behind the scenes. So there was that aspect, but then there was also this like leadership ability that I have. And uh, it feels weird to even say that, but I'm repeating what friends have told me, (laughs) but you know, this ability that I just have like an innate natural presence about myself that people don't really forget me. Like I'm also a big, like physically I'm a big guy. I'm six, four, two I'm tattooed. I have a beard, you know, like I'm, I'm a big dude and I just happen to stick out wherever I go. On top of that, there's, I guess, something about me that people are drawn to and that people like want to hear what I have to say, which again, for me to even say that just feels weird because I don't really see that. And I don't think anyone sees that in themselves usually, you know, but, um, over this past weekend, having my, my good friend, Chris, like really drive that home. Like, dude, you don't get it. Like wherever you walk, you do influence people, whether you want to or not, you know, like there's a certain innate influence that you have. And I'm also an activator, right? So like, I tend to want to come in and like move. I can't just sit in like, you know, theory land. We got to start getting things done. Like how can we build a better team? How can we make things better? So I think all those things with my driven personality was kind of a good combination of like, it was just a good fit at the right time of, yeah, like let's go. I'm, I'm dedicated. And once I'm all in something like I, it really consumes me. That's just my personality. Um, whether it's the new evangelicals or it's music, whatever it is. So 
I, you know, that was, I think kind of why it was such a good fit because all of our gifts kind of complemented each other. You know, my, my yeah. buddy, Chris, isn't like me. Thank God. We don't need two of me, but I need a Chris for every one of me and vice versa. And so that balance really helps. I think it really helped drive that team forward to become a very healthy dynamic. We disagreed a lot. We, we had difficult arguments. We've had moments where we've lost our cool with each other, but we were always unified over like, yeah, but this is good. And family, family fights sometimes like, like fighting is a, it can be a thing. How do we work past it? Yeah. It's interesting. I would love to hear, uh, your Enneagram number. Cause Six. if you've done that six, okay. Yeah. That's not what I would have guessed, but <laughs> Yes. Good. That's what it says, you know, so that's what it says. Very good. Um, so why did you continue to serve when you began to go through the experience that many call deconstruction or like a season of doubt, whatever you want to call it? Um, why did you continue to serve? Because I know for me personally, like yeah, I was yeah. on the production team at my church, I was in the worship team, I was yeah. on platform giving ties and offering messages. And there's this tension that exists where you're like, can I support this thing with which I disagree with on some fairly large issues, although maybe secondary to the central concepts of Christianity and the faith, like you can agree on all those things and disagree yeah. on referees, but it can still be difficult. Um, say for example, you take the issue of LGBTQ issues when sure. yeah. you're actively engaging with friends or family members who yeah. have came out and experienced like terrible things at the hands of the church. And, um, I know friends of mine who were asked to step down from serving, mm. um, even though they'd been serving faithfully for over a decade in that church yeah. just because they'd came out. So it, it can be, there's this tension that exists there when you are in that serving position. So why did yeah. you continue to serve as you began to go through that experience? Well, I think we have to back up for a quick minute to explain that well. And I haven't cool. really, ex I haven't explained this part of my life to anyone on the new evangelicals um, or, um, you know, on my podcast or anything like that. So it's important that I think I explain this part now because it's very core to why I was able to do that. So from age 18 to about 25, I was part of this community that fleshed itself out in what maybe churches would call a small group format. But I was part of a community of about 30 to 45 people called 11th Hour. And it was really looking back more like a church community. I mean, it was a church plant. We would never call it that. We didn't have a building. We went in someone's house. So it's important that I, re I say that. But it was the most beautiful expression of genuine community. I don't use that term lightly or tritely. I've ever been a part of ever, ever. It was heaven on earth for all of us. Even the ones, even when people got a little hurt, even towards the end when we kind of fizzled out, almost everyone that I've talked to has extremely fond memories of that time. So I say that because that was a safe place where all of us could express different perspectives and wrestle mm -hmm. together and maybe not even land in the same spaces sometimes, but we were united through our, our time together and through our genuine seeking of Jesus and his kingdom and nothing was off the table to rethink. We, I mean, at one point every Wednesday, I would have people over my house. 
we had a huge whiteboard, had to be 10 feet long by, by (laughs) six feet high. And we would have markers and we would just say, okay, let's talk about what is the church, right? That demo is the church. And then it would almost be just like five or seven people. We would get Chinese food and have coffee. We would just be spitballing. Well, I think the church is this. Well, I think it's this. Well, what about this? What about this? How does this work? What's the institution? You know, I mean, it was that, it was almost like that, that stereotypical picture you would have in your mind of like eight people wrestling through, let's deconstruct. We didn't call it that, but let's dismantle this idea of church and rethink, are we doing it right now? You know, what is the focus of the church? Well, and that would lead to, well, well, if, if the church is to proclaim the gospel, what is the gospel? Is the gospel just, is it just the death and resurrection of Jesus? Is it bigger than that? Let's deconstruct that. So you have to understand, like, this is my MO for over 12 years. Has it been that long? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Almost 13 years now. Right. So this has been what I've been wired to do for 13 years with people in a safe space who, even if we didn't agree, did not matter. We were still united by our our love for each other and our love for this risen Jesus, even though we're still trying to figure that out. Like we're working through it. Don't know what it means yet. So that's, I say that because you have to understand where I'm coming from, even, you know, after 11th hour ended and my trajectory is now that slingshot has been pulled back and now we're launching in that direction. Right. So now wherever church I go to, I have this image of like, okay, I know this event is nice, but guys, you don't understand. It is possible to have genuine community within a church that is loving and inclusive and also difficult and honest and messy and not traumatic at the same time. And so when you have that ideal, because you've, you've experienced it for five or six or seven years, and don't forget, when you're in your early 20s, for me, that was the best balance of most amount of freedom with the least amount of responsibility. So we had time that's, I don't have now, right? But we had time in that era to spend days together over everything. I mean, we would do everything from Bible studies to Mario Kart tournaments, you know, movie days to park days. You know, it was, it was friends. It wasn't just about, you know, um, reading the Bible. It was so much more than that. So I say that because, you know, the reason why I, I stayed when when I really was deconstructing air quotes, you know, when, when things really started unraveling in a different way for me was because I was used to being in tension. You know, it's tough for me to be in tension, but I've been wrestling through the church event for 12 years. So being part <laughs> of another one isn't like a shock to me, you know? Now, of course, I've had you know, better days and worse days with that. Some days I'm like, I, I would tell my wife, I'm not sure to Sarah, like this is the place for us. I, I, well, and by that, I mean like, I'm not sure if the evangelical church is the place for us, but something I always came back to always was like, but the relationships, like I can't imagine losing at this church, the friends I've made. I can't walk away from them. Like I, a type six is a loyalist, like relationally. And I cannot abandon relationships with people over secondary theological outworkings, right? Or over, my perception of like how I think we're too event focused because one mistake I made in my early 20s was that I was so passionate I had so much zeal that when I went to a church I'd be so outspoken and so critical about how this needs to all be burned away and torn down that no one wanted to hear me you know like no one wanted to hear me no pastor wanted to hear me right they're like oh another just you know negative Nancy and so I've learned that to be part of change for me and this is my story this is no one else's you know I'm not telling people how to do this the right or wrong way. There's more ways, there's more than one way to handle this. But for me, I realized that if I'm going to start being part of the change,
change, I have to change it from the inside out, at least for a season of my life. I have to really try planting, committing, and working relationally through people to say, listen, you guys know me, you know I'm committed to this thing, but also like maybe we should be rethinking how we're doing some of this stuff. You know, like maybe we should rethink if if most of our effort is on a Sunday morning event and our small groups are suffering, maybe as a church we should rethink our priority. So I so that was that's really one of the big reasons why, because I've been in this tension for so long, right? And also, and I've said this before too, I like the Sunday morning event. I play drums there on a professional level. Like I like that part of it for sure. So it, it is a bit of like a dualistic mindset sometimes. I, I acknowledge that and I do get stuck. Some days, you know, you, you and I have talked, Will, there's been times where I'm like, well, this is it, man. Like I'm, we're walking away. Let's burn this thing <laughs> down. You know, like this, this system is hurting people. I have all these DMs of people who have been hurt. Like we got to re, we got to bulldoze it. Then there are days yeah. where I'm like, yeah, but like this one, church I just read about is like inclusive and like they want to love their neighbor better and they're rethinking the church model. Maybe there is hope. (laughs) So, so I know that that's a long winded answer, but there's so much to that question that to be honest and transparent to the audience, I want them to have the full breadth of what's actually happening. Like I am, my wiring is this way. It's just how I'm wired to be. Yeah, I think that answer sets us up really well for going into this next part. And I want to be sensitive here because it's involving actual people that you're actually connected to. It's yes. real relationship and it's long and deep relationship that you have worked through things together, been through a lot together and had a very good mutual understanding for a long period of time. Yes. So I want to be sensitive in asking that and just to acknowledge that straight up for anyone who's listening to this so that they know there's not bitterness. There's not, yes, that's right. There's obviously hurt and there's difficulty and all that, but there's not bitterness or or offense there. And these are people that you're still connected to relationally. So just as a preface for that. Um, So for those who don't follow you or haven't looked on your stories the past few days, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's happened for you recently when it comes to serving in the church? Yeah. And yeah, I, I just want to reiterate, so it comes out of my mouth too. This is not about dehumanizing anyone. This is not about making anyone the bad guy. Um, this story is just the reality that both me and my pastor have said to people. So this is not me telling a one-sided story here. This is just the reality. I will also say at the time of this recording, this is still an in-process situation. So if we release this, how we release it, to be determined, you know, um, if we do, because there might be more to this story. And right now I could be only in a part of it before it comes to a full close. So what I'm telling you now at this point in the story is, is what actually happened. And of course could change and could be, there could be more to it as we go on. So I just want to, I want to emphasize that. So, you know, um, obviously I, before the new evangelicals, um, I, um, posted a lot of my perspectives on my personal Facebook account. And the joke among my friends, both in 11th hour, I mean, this is how long ago this goes back. And and now, so we're talking about the past like seven or eight years is that Tim is the controversial guy on Facebook. Okay. So this is nothing again, <laughs> new. You can, if someone is ever really bored and wants to do a seven year deep dive, you will see that I've been this way on social media for almost a decade now. And I've, I've had to work to get better because the goal is when you want to be heard, right? You don't want people just to yell at you. Um, but, and I'm not perfect at it by no means, but I've been a person on social media who has voiced his opinions about whatever it is bluntly and directly on social media, whether it's statuses, updates, blogs, whatever. So, so, um, 
uh, you know, there's been conversation with my senior pastor and my worship pastor, who I both truly, with no lie, respect and love and admire. Um, you know, my senior pastor has been um, um, committed to a church for over 40 years. He has no scandals. He's never, you know, there's, there, there's nothing negative to say about him. He is a good guy. He's a little more of the old school persuasion. He's an older guy, comes from like a different generation, but you know, he's a good dude. Like his heart is good. Yeah, I, I believe that. And, and that's my thing to tell people, you know, like if people disagree with me, they can, but I'm telling you that his heart is good. And so you heard it from me here, you know, but um, I've been talking. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. Growing a business brings pressure. Staying compliant and retaining top talent in challenging times. You feel stretched thin. Fortunately, there's Insperity. They put over 35 years of HR service and technology to work, offering my employees competitive benefit options while lightening my HR load. Engaged people empowered to be their best means overcoming obstacles. With Insperity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. To it by both of them about like, you know, my Facebook in the past, like, hey, Tim, especially when like the Black Lives Matter stuff came up, I was very critical of Trump. And I would get conversations, hey, you know, I think maybe you're coming across kind of the wrong way on social media. You're kind of maybe, I don't know. It, it was never super specific, but the idea is like, you know, people look up to you, people follow you, and, and you could be saying things that are causing problems for, for people, you know. And that's been an ongoing conversation. Every like maybe six months to a year, kind of I get I kind of get called back into the office, so to speak, you know. And we have always had a very amicable um, you know, calm and cool conversation. There was only one time where both of us got a little heated and we both apologized later on. You know, it was water under the bridge. I was, I also got heated too, you know, but we've always worked through it. I mean, always. And I, even to the point where one time I, I actually typed out a letter and read it to them because I was getting to a point where I, I just had to say to them nicely, like, listen, I, I respect your opinion, but this is my social media account. It's my personal social media account. These are my views, you know, and if it's a problem, like, let me know because I, I, I this point, I, I can't fight who I am. I can't fight, you know, trying to tailor myself to meet someone else's like perceived right way of doing it. I, it's, it's just not feasible for me to do that. And that was a few months ago. So then I started the new evangelicals in December, you know, and I, my pastors both know about it. And, um, I've talked to my worship pastor about it and it was always very like, you know, nothing that was ever like, um, it was never the, 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 the impression I got was never like, Hey, like you gotta be careful because you know, like if you start saying the wrong stuff, we might have a different conversation about you being a leader here. It was always like, Hey, like, so what's your account about? I've been seeing your stuff. And I've always made a point to tell them like, Hey, just so you know, I don't post about my church publicly. No one knows where I go. And I also always make a point to paint my church in a positive light. You know, I use them as an example of what they're doing right. You know, like the volunteer burnout thing I've shared about or how they handle, they've handled COVID really well, um, or how they handle their finances really well. So I told them that like, I'm, I'm always here to make it, a, to use my church as an example of what the evangelical church can be doing well, despite our criticisms of it. So that was like a few months ago with my worship pastor. And then, you know, recently on, I got uh, my lead, my senior pastor asked to meet with me. I, I knew something was up. You just never know. And essentially we got, we got, uh, you know, a lunch and, um, we're talking and, you know, again, I want to emphasize this conversation was not angry. It wasn't like bitter. 
there was no ill intent. And, you know, something that my wife always says that has stuck with me is that people do the best with the information that they have. So we have to assume positive intent here. Now, if people who are listening don't want to assume positive intent, I can't control that. But I'm asking people if they um, empathize with me here just to respect that I would really prefer that we give people my pastor's positive intent, despite my even my disagreement with, with, with how it's been handled so far. Let's put it that way, okay? So, um, yeah, so essentially what my senior pastor said was he was concerned about some of my positions on the LGBTQ issue, um, and he was concerned because he preached a sermon on tithing, and that following week, we talked about tithing on the New Evangelicals, and he felt like that was a direct contradiction in me coming against what he was teaching. Now, I don't have any specifics. There wasn't like, hey, here's the post that you said that was in direct contradiction with what I taught that week. And that's when I told him like, hey, you know, pastor, that wasn't intentional. Like, you know, I'm not thinking about it like that. I have a list of topics and that was the one I chose for that week. Also, um, and again, I, he doesn't have an Instagram account, so I'm not sure what he's seeing or how he's seeing it. He hasn't, he hasn't told me that. And I didn't ask, but he also didn't tell me. But, you know, again, I really make sure that people know that I support my local church and I'm part of it. Like, uh, this is not me. I'm not, this is not a, a secret account that no one knows about where like, I'm bashing, you know, my home church, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know? <laughs> So essentially what he told me was that he goes, you know, I can't have someone on that platform who is contradicting my teachings. I, I can't have someone doing that. I said, well, I hear you. But what I hear you saying is that if I don't like stop this account, I can't serve anymore. And he pretty much said like, that's what I'm saying. Or if like, or if I alter the account. Um, and again, that's even super ambiguous. And I transparently am not sure how I feel about someone else dictating to a volunteer what they can or can't say theologically on an account that isn't related to the home church. Now, I know he would say, but you have an influence at our church. People look up to you. People do at our church follow your account. I understand all that, but I'm not actively seeking out people in my church and telling them, yo, follow my secret account so we can, you know, like bash this <laughs> church. You know, like it's not, I don't talk about my account to anyone at the church. I don't talk to anyone about, about my views on stuff that could be controversial to anyone in our church because of that, you know? So anyway, so at that moment I said, wow, I said, well, that, that really hurts. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm devastated. I was scheduled to play on Sunday. And I said, yeah, I guess you have to find someone else to cover. I'm the only drummer there. So that puts the worship pastor in an awkward spot. And I don't know, he's, my worship pastor said that he found out the day before. So I'm going with that. So I'm not sure how much time he had to prepare. But essentially after six years of being there, you know, and, um, you know, just, giving and donating and, uh, and serving, I was essentially told like, because of, of some of these views that you're espousing, which again, I don't really have specifics yet. Um, I can't be on the platform, which, uh, was a real shot to the gut. And I could tell my lead pastor didn't want to have this conversation. I mean, he emphasized, he loves me. He even supports in some ways what I'm doing. Um, he thinks that, that, that conversations do need to happen. Something like this. Um, he doesn't want to lose me. You know, he's grateful for me. And I received that. I said, I believe him, you know, regardless of, of what I might think about it. I believe that he's being sincere. Does that make sense? Yep. So I shook his hand, said, thank you. And, uh, I walked away and cried. Um, I got in my car. I told, um, my friend Rose, I texted her, Hey, I just got removed from the team. And she called me a smart ass. She thought I was joking. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> I'm really not joking. This really just yeah. happened. So that's where that story kind of 
that's where that happened. Now, I do want to kind of fill in some gaps. And again, this is still in progress. And I even told you, well, I'm not even sure if we're even going to post this because I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to stir the pot more, but I want to be honest. And I think people who follow me need to know what's going on for the, their own clarity and for my clarity. But, you know, my pastor called me the next day, my senior pastor, and he, he asked how I'm doing. I was like, wow, I appreciate that. You know, I said, I'm not bitter. I'm really not. I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm really devastated. You know, it's hard to call 10 or 15 people that you serve with every Sunday and tell them, Hey, you know, bass player who I played with for five years, almost every Sunday, um, I'm not going to be there anymore because even though I'm allowed to stay and be a part of the church, I can't serve. I can't serve at least on the platform. And we didn't talk about other ways I could serve, but it was the, the gist I got at that time on the conversation was you can't be doing what, what, what you've done here for a long time. Um, and I said, you know, I, I said, I probably won't be here anymore. I, I can't just sit and inspect him. I'm just not wired that way. So having that conversation with people was difficult. So I told him that. Um, and he said, he said, listen, it, it hurts me. It really does. Um, and I said, I appreciate that. Now, to me, on my end, I believe him when he says that, but also it was his decision that he made, you know, like meaning he put me in a spot where I had to choose one over the other. So while I'm sure he does feel hurt, I'm sure he has his reasons for what he did. I do kind of feel like, but it was also kind of your call, you know, like it didn't happen. I'm not asking you to change anything, you know, like I'm just trying to make space for both of us here. And I told him that in our Thursday meeting that it's a bummer that I'm being asked to step down over disagreements over secondary issues, you know, things that aren't even like, I'm not on my account being like, uh, did Jesus really rise again from the dead? You know, is the Trinity real? Is the Bible completely bogus? Like I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's not what I believe. You know, like these aren't like heretical things I'm talking about here. So anyway, so that was Friday. And then we talked a little more on Saturday. Um, and he just said, Hey, maybe you know, he goes, I think we should, I think we should talk more. And I said, I'm open to that. And I don't know what that means. Um, there's a lot of layers to this. You know, there's a lot of nuance, a lot of relationship. I haven't broken anything in in the like the worship team handbook. I haven't broken any rules, but I also understand that social media is new for a lot of churches. And so they're kind of trying to figure out how they handle social media because the way I look at it is you have a volunteer who's not in any official leadership capacity besides hitting drums in the booth. I don't have a talk on a stage. And I have this account that is my own that I do what I want on that isn't breaking any kind of rule at all, or even, or, or espousing heresy. And the response is you can't do that while you're here. It doesn't make, to me, it doesn't make sense. I'm sure they have their reasons. I'm sure they're working through that, but it's not a very consistent standard yet, you know, for, for where we're at. So I'm still wrestling through it. So that's kind of like the, the big picture overview. And I can, you know, maybe go into more details if you have any questions, but that's where I'm at as of this recording. So I'm waiting for this other phone call to happen to see where we go. Truth be told, if I'm dreaming here, I would love for us to be able to reconcile this. I would love for there to be like, Tim, I think we jumped the gun. I think we made a mistake. You know, let's talk about this. Like, we want you here. You mean a lot to us. You've, you've invested in relationships here. You know, maybe we can make space for you here. Um, and then I can look back and then tell my account, look, guys, like this actually, we reconciled. Like, there is some hope for some of us. You know, I would love to turn this into one of those kinds of stories of like, not all pastors are the same, you know, because I got some stories, dude, that were like, my pastor kicked me out and he won't talk to me ever again you know, and that's not me. My pastor has called me twice <laughs> saying how bad he feels. So I, I'm going to roll with this as of right now and see what happens. Yeah. First thing I want to acknowledge is just how like difficult and hard going through hearing that 
when you feel confident in the relationships and I would love to know, did it come as a surprise to you or did you think that it would potentially happen eventually? I think if I'm being truly honest, I always was like, are we going to get to a point where this kind of, you know, thing happens? But I think I was caught off like how immediate it was, you know, like, well, if you don't like stop or if you don't, I don't know, change, whatever, again, whatever that would mean. Um, you can't be on the platform. And I said, okay, well, I have 10,000 followers at this point. And the work I'm doing, the messages I'm getting are that, that, are that, that this is a healing place for those that have been hurt by the church. Like that's my, that's my tribe. Um, so I can't stop doing that work. And it's kind of like, okay. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so that part was a surprise for me. Yeah. Hmm. I would love to get your perspective, maybe more broadly, just on serving in general in the church and its implications, or like I suppose the big C church rather than local church as well. So, maybe to get an idea of what you think serving's purpose is theologically, for example. So, if serving, say for me, is about edifying the body of Christ, it's about learning to be loving and generous with other people consistently in mm. community, yeah. even when it's hard, even when you don't want to right. learning to love and be generous to other people and show mercy and grace, even when it's really hard. Yes. Um, then what is the difference between serving in a local or institutional church and the work that you do online with the new evangelicals? I think that's the, do you define serving differently from what I've just said there? Yeah, that's, it's tough, man. Again, the, you know, these issues are so big, right? Like, I mean, each of these topics could be a full hour, two hour discussion. Um, serving in the, I'm trying to get my thoughts together to sound coherent. The term serving in church often comes, often, or again, I want to acknowledge we're painting with broad strokes here. This is not every church, but there's a general perception that for you to be serving the kingdom means that you're volunteering at your local church in some kind of capacity automatically, whether that's you're on the greeting team, right? You're on the youth team, you're on the worship team, you're, you're on, you're some part of a team that is, that is building and edifying that local institutional church. That's what serving for most of us tends to bring up when we hear the term serving or get involved. I'm going to give my time to this institution to make it better in some capacity. So I think that's that's what serving means for most of us. For me personally, yes, I am, I have been, again, for over a decade, <laughs> been, been thinking through if that's the only thing that serving the kingdom can mean, right? Like, okay, but if we're building up our Sunday morning event, and there are still the poor outside, and we're and most of our time is spent on the event and not on the poor outside. Which Matthew twenty five tells us that if we neglect the poor, we're actually in danger of hell. <laughs> if we're taking that verse literally, right? We're reading it on the surface. Then maybe our priority should be shifting for what for what we see as actually serving, like serving who, serving the institution or serving people. And I think mm. one of the reasons why I feel so hurt about the situation at this moment of the recording is because I feel like, and again, this might not be their perception or even their intent. I'm, I'm actually, I'll, I'll say I don't believe it's their intent, but I feel like they've chosen theological beliefs over relationship in this case. Like, hey, Tim, your six years of building and 
edifying this institution for God, but also in the, it, it fleshes itself out in this, in this reality of this church and, you know, and meeting and putting work in and loving people and working with people that is not as important as, as, as our disagreements on these secondary issues that you espouse publicly. So your theology is overruled by your relationships. And to me, I just don't function that way. I'm the complete opposite. I have friends who want nothing to do with the church who are, you know, the complete opposite of me that I've been friends with for decades because the, that's secondary to the relationship between us. So anyway, that's a kind of a tangent, but that's kind of one of the things I've been thinking about is like, you know, what are, who are we serving and what are we serving? And I feel like sometimes we're serving more of the institution and the belief system around it than we are the actual people who really need it. Now, that being said, the other side of this for me is that I have been a part of worship moments as a drummer where I've watched people like really have a, a, a genuine moment where like they've had a breakthrough in their mind and and they would tell me, dude, that moment like changed my life forever. I'm like, wow, like, okay, just because it's not changing me, just because I'm jaded to it doesn't mean that it's all garbage. You know, some people do get something out of these moments. That is good. That is good. I, I want to affirm that. And that's why I'm much more these days of a both and kind of person than I am either or. Like, is there a way to combine these to still have these moments, but also to put more of an emphasis on loving our neighbors well. So serving to me is a really complicated one because I'm, we have to rethink what that means for us. You know, and again, churches will say we're all about serving people here, but what it really is, is that we like getting people to serve the institution in most cases, in, in my perspective. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm thinking there and I've had this conflict with my, myself for a while. Like the last time I served in a church would have been last February before the pandemic. I've not really been back into a church building since then, um, partly because our restrictions are a lot tougher than in uh, America. Mm, yeah. um, and then partly just because exactly what you said there, the focus on a Sunday service rather than like serving those who are directly outside the door in the community. Yeah. And so that's something that like I'm personally very passionate about is finding a place that has that. And I've always said that I find it difficult where like, like you, I love the style of the evangelical church a lot of the time. I, I, I play electric guitar. I also play drums and bass. And so I love to get involved in the yes. worship team. So you I'd love it. to be able to play electric guitar in uh, an Episcopal church or a Methodist church. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. not see that happening anytime soon. <laughs> exactly. Imagine it's if you like, did, you just bust down the door with, with, with like your Marshall amp and electric guitar squealing yeah. away, you know? <laughs> one of the wee amps that uh, you can get on your belt, like... Yeah. <laughs> Did, was it Jack Black that wore yes. one of those in school? Yes. It just came yes. into the classroom. Yeah, that one. I would love to be able to just just walk. bust down, and be like, "All right, who knows this song? Raise a hallelujah and just go for it." You know? <laughs> yeah, get all the swell effects on the guitar and everything. Just come in. What's that? Is that a whale? No, it's just William with the guitar. <laughs> I love it, man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to know: Has this experience changed the way that you view serving in the church in any way? So. Like, for example, beforehand, obviously you've been part of serving, you've had good experiences, but you've been hearing lots of people's stories about how maybe they've been told to leave their team or platform yeah. or whatever. Um, has this changed the way that you've viewed those situations or do you view it kind of in the same way? Well, I'm much more empathetic and aware of how widespread church hurt is. You know, like when you have, like, you know, when I released this news on, I think it was Friday, you know, I had maybe like maybe 300 DMs that day, 
maybe more. And, and over half were people's stories of like, hey, me too. And a lot of them were way worse than me. I mean, way worse. Like I had it easy. You know, my, my pastor's still talking to me. You know, people are still friends of mine in the church. You know, people feel bad for me. Many were just like, yep, once I did this 10 years of serving, like never was talked to again. You know, my pastor refused to talk to me. I, I wanted to meet with him and work it out. He said, no, it's time for you to leave, you know? So hmm. I'm much more empathetic and aware that the evangelical church as a whole, as, as an institution, is really harming people. I mean, in, in, in many ways, you know, volunteers, sexually, purity culture. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the article recently that Hillsong Church is shutting down the Dallas campus because their pastors were spending money lavishly from the tithe and like we're abusing volunteers, it sounds like. And, you know, like, okay, yeah, we have, there are major problems here, friends. And that's why I feel more and more confident speaking out because it's like, um, if we do want to make the church better, don't we do that by calling out our problems and trying to fix them? And all yeah. we're and now again, I, I can't speak for any other social media account, but all my account is doing, well, all not all, but one of the things my account is doing is it's it's talking about things that are very problematic, trying to bring awareness that, hey, evangelical church. I mean, I, I don't know if you're listening. In fact, I don't think you are because you hate the term deconstruction, but you have problems and I'm in your church. Like I'm 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 trying to show you that I'm as committed, I'm playing your game the right way. I'm committed, I'm involved, I'm serving, I'm giving, and I'm still seeing problems, you know, like I'm trying yeah. to kind of work that balance. I also want to be clear too, I think one of the things that I'm realizing is that, you know, one of the big struggles is I'm not here to tell people how they should and shouldn't handle their own context. Now, if someone asks you for advice, I will gladly give it to you. Like, I want to help you walk whatever you're going through. But I think one of the things that, that a lot of our the accounts that I'm a part of in my account is realizing is that the control factor is really big. You know, like I'm not going to say, listen, because I've handled this situation this way and I've been so graceful about it. Therefore, if you've been hurt and you're bitter, well, how dare you? Because you didn't do it my way. No, I get it. Like you need to mourn however you need to mourn. You need to process that. And every situation is different. There's different levels of hurt and bitterness. So mm. it's important that we make space for people to have that room. Um, I hate to say this, but I kind of forgot your original question. <laughs> I'm sorry about serving, you know, but like, does that kind of answer your question a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's just talking about how the experience has changed. So I suppose your answer is really, it's made you more empathetic and understanding with people's experience and how they process that. And uh, yeah, so I think that definitely answers the question. It's also, uh, one more thing, sorry, yeah, go going off it. of that. It's also made me feel like my account is some weird ministry in a weird way. And I hate mm -hmm. the word ministry. Ugh, it's been just so overused, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I try and stay away from my church terms. But, you know, when you have people, man, I'm humbled by it. I mean, this isn't, this is not a reflection of me. It's just people. When you have people day after day telling you, one person texted me on Friday, hey, um, this when I, I just found this account and I think it's giving me hope for my last strand of faith that I ever had. Like, I'm, I'm, thank you. And I'm just like, wow, this is a digital internet account. You don't even know me. And it's impacting you that way, you know? So I feel like the work I'm doing in this account is vital. Like, I, that's why I couldn't give it up. Like, no, I can't let these people go away. I, I'm, I'm an underdog person. That's how I'm wired. I'm always looking for the underdog. You know, I want to elevate the, the ones who are below, not the ones who are above. I, I, I naturally am a speak truth, the power kind of person. I can't control that. I'm call it a God thing, call it a prophet gift, whatever you want to call it. That's just how I am. So when you have, you know, hundreds of DMS of people telling you, dude, 
I'm so sorry, but I'm so glad you you kept this account. Like, we need you. Someone wrote on our Facebook group, they made a whole post about what happened, saying how sorry they are, but also how welcoming they feel this account, how much it's helped them. Okay, I'm going then. I have to keep going. I can't stop doing this. If people are really for the first time, or maybe one of the rare times where they feel hope about the church and about their faith again, that's the point for me. You yeah. know, there are some accounts that are all about people who have deconstructed out of the faith. Good. They they need a safe space too, for sure. I, I'm not discounting that. But for those of us who are trying to heal and want to stay in some some version of this Jesus thing, that's what that's my corner. You know, that's what I'm trying to be a part of. And so when you have people who are saying, yes, this is helping me. It's like, yeah, I have to keep going here. I just have to. Yeah. I find that really encouraging. Like I suppose I'm definitely not as involved as you have been with the evangelical church, especially over the past few years anyway, but I'm in that space as well of being like, love Jesus, want to pursue this, want to see a new form of practical lived out faith come into being and struggling to see where that comes through and just being so encouraged by these spaces online that are beginning to form like yours, like mine, like many others where we are speaking about these things. And like, I'm so excited for when restrictions lift and like we can have events and meet in person and (laughs) there's going to be a new evangelicals conference or a space between conference (laughs) or whatever. Maybe not a conference. I've even said like, if I was to start any form of community, I don't even think I'd use the term church, but if I was to start anything, I would want to cap it at the cap, the attendance because I don't want it to become this big thing. Like keep it small. 30, 40 people, cool. Let's start another one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes. Um, and I want to end not as advice, like you said there, for people who are going through it or whatever, but rather an, an encouragement. I'd love you to give an encouragement for two people. First of all, an encouragement for those who continue to serve in their local church, even in the tension of deconstruction and disagreement. And also encouragement to those who've had a similar experience to you, whether it's been better than your experience or a lot worse where they can't really reconcile with the the church that they've been a part of. So those two people. Uh, What's the first one again? Sorry. The first one is for those who continue to serve in their church, even in the tension of uh, deconstruction and disagreement. All right, let's do that one first. Yeah, you know... um... Don't let anyone, anyone, whether it's a social media account or it's a pastor, either one, dictate how you should and shouldn't be doing that. You know, like if we're going to preach autonomy and bodily autonomy and like mental autonomy, like you have to make that decision for yourself, right? And if you're in the church and you're wrestling through it all, you are one of millions. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I know, and I would never name drop, because it's not about that. But I know dozens of people in many churches, some in ones I've even served in recently, who are thinking this along the same lines of what we're talking about. They see it. They're aware of it. They have doubts. They don't know where to go with their LGBTQ plus questions because they are more affirming than maybe what their church would or wouldn't say. And they are like, what do I do here? This is all I've known, right? The, the, the neurons and the wiring has formed. This is my habit. This is my rhythm. I serve, I give, I'm part of this culture. But also I realize that it's problematic. I realize that it's not inclusive enough and I want to see it changed. And I'm also only one person 
singing on a worship team or greeting people in the parking lot, right? So the power dynamic isn't there. I have no room to speak up, but I see it and I'm thinking about it. There are millions of us in that space. And because the AEC, American Evangelical Church, primarily is formed on like a CEO mentality, right? Like, okay, your one lead pastor has the most sway. We, in order for the church to change, we have to wait and be faithful enough to get into those spaces as lead pastors to start changing the tide, in my opinion, you know, or working with pastors who are open and trying little small nudges, you know, whenever, wherever we can, like take anyone, anyone that we can get. So, and if people are wired to live in that tension, like keep doing it, you know, like, please keep doing it and don't let anyone else like dictate what you do or don't do. Um, and so that's, what I would say to them, you know, like use the Bible is full of this concept of wisdom. I mean, even the tree of the knowledge of good and bad is about wisdom, right? I mean, I know you know that it's a, it's, it's a really untaught narrative in evangelical culture. It's all about, you know, sin and morality, but the wisdom idea is huge in the Bible and wisdom is much more nuanced than gray there. It's not clean lines. It's not black and white. It's not clean categories. So every church situation is different. You know, and you have to use wisdom to decide how you want to go forward. Maybe some people are like, listen, it's too problematic. My pastor is preaching things that I think are harming people. I have to step back, step back, do it well, do it. So you're the bigger person, right? Do it. So you, you end by the, by ending it with the cycle of love and empathy and grace, because that's what we're trying to promote um, and do what you got to do. But for those who are like, listen, my pastor said stuff I don't always agree with, but I support what we're doing here and also wrestling through it and hoping that we can start doing changes do it, you know, like do it. So that's what I would say to that. And the other group is what? People who have been hurt and who are out of the church completely? Yeah, those who've had like a similar experience where they have been involved, they have been serving, they've been committed to the church maybe for a long period of time and they have been asked to step down. Specifically to those people, like it would be very broad to speak to anyone who's just been hurt by the church in general, but let's keep it specific to that, those people who've been hurt because they have been committed, they have been serving and they've been asked to step down. Your pain is real, it's valid, it was probably not your fault, <laughs> you know. Meaning, like I, I wasn't there, but it was not your fault. Let's put it that way. Um, and um, you're, yeah, like it is okay to feel hurt, to feel bitterness, to feel anger. It's okay to feel all those things. It, it is truly okay. And you have to be okay to mourn something. You just have to. Um, you know, I'm mourning what happened to me. And even though I'm not bitter or angry, if the situation was different, if they just said you're out, good riddance, see you later, I'd probably be bitter or angry, you know, <laughs> like, all right? So it's okay to feel those things. Um, and it's okay if you decide not to come back, right? I'm not going to tell people how to deconstruct or how to do this the right way. Like, well, if you lose, if you don't come back to the church, like, you know, that, that don't hold on to that bitterness. Eh. The church is bigger than, than, than the AEC. The church is bigger than the institutional church. You know, you're part of a global collective, whether you realize it or not, whether you participate in it or not, you're still part of a bigger picture. Thank God for that. Um, And it's okay to mourn all that. It is so okay. And my challenge to those of us who are in that space, I have two things to say. And again, this is just my opinion and you can take it or leave it. And if you disagree, I respect it. One thing I have found for myself is that I think one of the reasons for me, it's easier for me, I, I, I want to emphasize, I'm talking about me here, but it's, it's, 
easier for, for me to be bitter and angry because it feels good for me. Like I would feeling bitter and angry is like, I, I have a right to be this way and screw them. And I'm angry and bitter. And now I am that victim and I'm, I, that's right. I'm sitting on it. For me, it's, that's easier than being hurt because hurt is vulnerable. It's like, actually, like, you really hurt me. Like, I'm, I'm devastated. I don't feel good. I don't feel like I have a chip on my shoulder. I don't want to feel like a victim, <laughs> you know, but like, I'm hurting. And so everyone's different and I get that. But I think ultimately hurt can heal differently than how bitterness heals. I think bitterness and anger can heal with like a more permanent scar, so to speak. And maybe that's okay for some people. But for me, I'm just not wired that way. You know, I, I really want to participate in the cycle of new creation and healing and grace and redemption wherever I can. Um, even if that means having to be very vulnerable and tell my pastor instead of screw you, you know, like, no, actually, pastor, I'm not mad at you at all. I'm just devastated. Like you, you, you hurt me right in my most like hurtful spot possible. Like you, I'm devastated by this, you know, that to me is harder to be vulnerable. And that just could be because of how I'm wired. Everyone's different. So, you know, it's okay. That's all, you know, it's, it's okay. And not okay. At the same time, like, yeah, it's not okay. What happened to you, but you are in good company. Um, and there is a, there's like a divine thing presence that at least for me, I found in this, this time of like, why am I as okay as, as, as I am? Like I shouldn't be, is this like a divine thing? Is this, is this the neurons in my brain protecting me? I don't know, but I'm going to call it the divine. I'm going to trust that there's some level of grace and some level of, of comfort happening that I can't explain. I'm just going to roll with it. I mean, dude, on Friday night, 24 hours after I got let go, I was at a birthday party for my friend where my worship pastor was and we had a great time. You know, I messaged him ahead of time. I said, listen, I know I'm going to see you. I know it's awkward, but let's, for the sake of our friend, let's just enjoy the birthday. It's not about me or you tonight. We can have coffee and settle this later, but let's just enjoy the night because we've had six years of friendships. Like that's still worth something to me. So that's not normal me. I'm not, you know, I can be bitter. I can be brutal. I can be like cynical. I can say things that will cut people. But I just didn't for some reason, you know? So I don't know. That's just my experience. Yeah. Well, we'll bring this conversation to a close, but I just want to say really respect you for the way that you've handled this, having experienced it myself of being asked to step down um, in much more dramatic circumstances than uh, what you've described. But I understand the hurt of it. I understand yeah. like the how difficult it is not to want to say something. So I totally respect <laughs> you for your graciousness with it, your kindness with it to those. And I hope that they see that too. I really do. Um, so thanks again for sharing all of that today, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for being my pseudo guest and letting me interview myself. <laughs> <laughs> Take yeah, I appreciate that, man. Evangelicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. No, I, I really appreciate the words. And yeah, it's, um, you know, there's definitely a sense of loss, but at the same time, like, you know, the, the situation is still unfolding. Yeah. So I'm not sure what this means. Maybe in a week, the story is, hey guys, I'm back at my church. We reconciled, you know, and yeah. this is like just a part of the story. I just don't know. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, thanks for coming on and making the time. Well, I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Cheers. 
All right, friends, what's up? This is Tim in real time. Hey, I wanted to give you all an update since I recorded that interview with Will. I did talk to my senior pastor a few days after that interview, and uh, the decision uh, has stayed the same. We really can't reconcile our differences, and um, it wasn't up to me, obviously, as far as the situation I was put in, but it was up to me as far as the choice that I made. So, um, yeah, as of now, um, I think it's a pretty permanent thing now that I am no longer a part of, of that church. Um, on top of that, there is a multi-church worship night that I help run out of that church um, that at, at really its peak before COVID had 60 different churches coming out uh, to worship together with over 600 people. And I discovered a few days later um, after, again, that conversation with Will, that my decision to resign also was, also affected um, my leadership and involvement with that other multi-church uh, worship ministry. So that one, honestly, friends, was really a gut punch. I was not expecting that, and it just really stung. It really hurt. Um, but again, it just kind of is what it is, right? And I, I want to I be clear. I know I said this a lot, but um, I really wish uh, the pastors and leadership there the best. I believe that they are good people and that they are committed to the work of the ministry, and I hope that, that, that what they're doing uh, continues to succeed. Um, but frankly, I have to just work through this, right? I have to just understand what happened. Um, I have to deal with the fallout. I have to deal with the, um, you know, just deal with the situation. And there are some days where, oh man, there are some days where I feel fine, some days where I feel sad, some days where I feel hurt, some days where I feel angry. I'm just letting myself kind of go through this process as best as I can. So that is the update. It is definitely official. As far as I can tell, it's a permanent thing. And I'm just going to have to, for my own mental health, assume that is the case and just go ahead and start the, uh, the moving on process. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, thank you everyone for the the words and for the emails and DMs and messages. Um, the support has just been huge from all of you. Even though I haven't met all of you or most of you uh, personally, just the words were really healing to my soul. So I'm, I'm really grateful for this community. I'm grateful for the Instagram um, community. I'm grateful for the podcast community, the Facebook community. So just thank you to all of you out there who are listening. Hey, listen, uh, if you want to do me a favor and give this uh, uh, show, this this podcast, a, a review and a rating on you know Spotify or Apple, that would be such a huge help for me. It just helps us out with like you know search engine optimization, all that fancy stuff. So, all right, enough talking from me. That is it. I will talk to you all next week. Have a good one. That's the sound of me prepping the grill with Reynolds Wrap. And the sound of me not doing dishes. And the sound of me spending more time outside with my family. Easy prep, cook, and clean. Make time with Reynolds Wrap. I like the sound of that. This restaurant is the hottest ticket in town. An incredible 12-course meal made from fresh, locally sourced ingredients. And now for your ninth and final course. Uh, did they forget the last three? When you don't get what you pay for, it can make you feel a little forgotten. A recent lab study found that most of the top CBD brands contain as little as 60% of what their labels claim. But with Nextevo Naturals, you get 100% of what you pay for. I brought the drinks, ladies. Grabbed us a case of everyone's favorite hard seltzer. Let's celebrate. Hey, wait a minute. It looks like they came half empty. Maybe they forgot to fill them up all the way.
You'd never put up with getting 60% of what you pay for. Why should your CBD be any different? Upgrade your CBD to 100% with Nextevo. Go to nextevo.com upgrade20 to shop fast-absorbing gummies, capsules, creams, and more. That's nextevo.com upgrade20.